Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey everybody, welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your chief lounge lizard, and your host for this episode of the show. Today we are going to be talking about innovation in the game industry. And let's hope that means it's not going to be a really, really brief show. <laughs> All right, well, I got I got a laugh out of our publisher, so I guess he kind of he kind of gets it. Um, actually, uh, I'm doing uh, this is based on um, uh, a column that Shella wrote. Shella mostly wrote about the uh, the visual aspects of games that were repeated over and over again, but uh, she also mentioned in her column some of the games that kind of broke the mold a little bit, and and so I. I you know, I'm hopeful that my panel today can come up with some examples where the game industry is really kind of stretching, stretching themselves at least a little bit. And we can talk and celebrate some of the, some of the innovative things that, uh, we'll see, that we've seen in recent memory, say in the last six months or so. So joining me today is, uh, Nate Woolley. Nate Woolley, uh, is our publisher and Nate is also very negative about this topic. So Nate, we're, we're ready for your, uh, vitriol, uh, rant. My heart is open to anybody who's actually innovating and creating. Okay, well, good, good opening statement. Thank you from the uh, Russian delegate. All right. <laughs> uh, joining me also is uh, Marie. Marie is uh, one of our uh, reviewers here, and Marie, you mostly look at um, you mostly look at uh, some of the smaller, mo- more independent type games. I know you look at a lot of stuff that's on the Mac platform, and I went back and looked at some of your reviews and. You found a few innovative things along the way recently. I have. I think uh, a lot of the smaller publishers are, are producing uh, the most creative stuff that's coming out now. Right. Okay. Well, we'll get into that, uh, sort of the, the small publisher versus the giant mega publisher. And uh, and then we also have William White. William White was the star of our podcast show uh, the other week uh, when he was explaining how he came up with the uh, concept of the Time Waster review. So... Pure awesomeness. Oh, I know, I know. So the only the only question is, you know, do, are you are you a genius or an evil genius? I don't know. We'll have to find out. <laughs> so, um, but I'm hoping that uh, some of the time waster games, you know, you you might find some innovation there because, uh, like, well, Marie touched on this a little bit, but it was um, basically like the big companies like Microsoft, you know, they come out with the Halo 4 or whatever, and it's pretty much going to be like Halo 1, 2, and 3. And you can't argue with that strategy. I mean, they made $2 billion so far on, on you know, the Halo series. So, eh, you know, I don't think they're in any mood to say, you know what, let's, instead of giving him a, an assault rifle, let's give him a paintbrush and have him, you know, draw his feelings on paper or something. I- that would be awesome. <laughs> It would, just, it, just saying Mario Paint with Master Chief, I'd play it. Actually, you know, what, ep, epic, epic Master Chief, just like Epic Mickey. Yeah, that would be... You know, he takes the paint and he does it, and instead it's BJ from Wolfenstein. <laughs> you know, come back to be rescued. Yeah, it would be really cool, but I don't think they'd make a billion dollars on it. I think if they came out with, I don't know, a guy in a green suit with a gun shooting aliens, I think that's maybe their formula for uh, for getting a billion out of that. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so anyway, um, let's start with, uh, I guess... I guess let's rip the Band-Aid off and start with Nate. So, Nate, I assume your position is that you're not seeing a whole lot of innovation in the industry. Well, what we see in the industry these days is, is essentially, for the big boys, a mature market and a mature sort of corporate structure. Mm-hmm. 
what that leads to is we can throw $100 million at a product to develop it. On the other hand, we're not going to throw the dice with $100 million. So what worked last time? What can we develop? Hmm. I've used the, the analogy of the movie industry the same. And, you know, what they're going to throw a lot of money at is things they can count on getting their money back. That's why you see so many sequels. Yeah, I mean, in the movie industry, though, I think... Land, Land Before Time is up to 19, man. Oh, really? What What more? Hey, wow. I, have small, I have small children. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, but the movie industry, though, we, they... they... We're, we're, lucky, we're lucky we didn't see E.T. too. He's back for payback. <laughs> yeah, he comes back with his gang, and <laughs> they're all ready to... E.T. You, you... E.T., the return. Yeah. You scared me. Yeah, you know, but it'd be cool because he could have he could wear like a bandana to hide his identity, and he could break into um, uh, convenience stores and rob them and steal M and M's and stuff. It'd be awesome. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, I was gonna say Reese's Pieces, actually, John. But that's okay. oh, you're right because uh, because M and M said we don't want to be in an awful sci-fi movie. <laughs> And Reese's Pieces said, "We smell money." <laughs> but uh, it it the lack of innovation does come down to firms that play it safe. You know, even if you get somebody who does innovate and comes up with something new, you know, if it's successful, somebody's going to glom onto it. And there we go. Could you have guessed 12, 13 years ago that MMOs would be the way to go? No, I mean there was a possibility. I think. Yeah, I mean, I remember the first time at E3, you and I went in and met with the guys who were putting World of Warcraft together, and we met with them, and they made their, we're going to make this huge thing, and we came out of there and like, Jesus, good luck to them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sh- shows how much we know. Well, yeah, but we, we also knew that um, EA was full of crap when they were where they were saying, oh, uh, nobody else should get into the MMO because we're, we're losing money with... Uh... <laughs> yeah, who was that guy, Howard something, who was, who was CEO... We saw him on a panel at that show, and you know I knew how many subscribers Ultima Online had, paying you know twelve bucks or ten bucks a month. And he's like, "It's far too expensive. I encourage no one else. Don't do what we did. We're lost, making ten million dollars a month." <laughs> yeah, we did the math, and we we're like, "He's making ten million a month. I don't think his server costs that much." <laughs> I just... he, he, he might have to buy two or three. Yeah, it was very high end. <laughs> it, was, it was very nice. Um, it was a very it was a very high end server from two thousand one. Right. Well, uh, William, what what about you or Billy? Sorry, uh, the uh, you, you you do the time waster stuff. I mean, are you seeing innovation there at all? Um, yes and no. Every once in a while, you come across someone who's t- still trying to be unique, but the problem is now that indie is a genre, people are like, oh, let's Minecraft. Let's make copies of Minecraft. Let's make you know copies of this indie game that did that did well. Oh wow! So, um, there was one that came out on the 360, a little five dollar arcade game called Forge Miner, and it just so happens you're dropped into a block world with crafting recipes and pickaxes, and you build. Uh, so you're so you're so you're blaming the hipsters. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> They're um. stupid little scarves. <laughs> so you're, let's not blame the hipsters. They get blamed for so much. So, oh, it's, uh, they had it coming. Well, so Billy, so you're saying that you're even seeing <laughs> uh, copy follow the leader stuff in the indie market. <laughs> exactly. I mean, um, uh, one of them I actually enjoy, but it's it's Minecraft started this whole thing. Terraria. I did time waster on it, and it's it's innovative in the sense it tries to be like here's Final Fantasy and Minecraft put together, so you get big boss battles and 
that, you know, nostalgic 2D look and sound, but you still get to, you know, build stuff and dig around in a world endlessly. Mm. You know, interestingly enough, on the, on the uh, other side, on the, you know, going back to the big developers for a second, I was just thinking when Grand Theft Auto came out, and everybody was like, wow, this is so innovative. It's an open world, and you get to play a bad guy and everything. And, and that was innovative at the time, and Rockstar were like the rebels. And now – It still cost us our lead columnist. Oh, yeah, that's true. I, I forgot about that incident. But, um, <laughs> yes, the uh, – I forget what happened. He freaked out because he had to kill somebody with a flamethrower or something, and then he decided that yeah. all video games were evil, and he just yeah, never saw them. Exactly. Ken Irby had been Wait, how was he a columnist? Yeah, he was a columnist for years. Like – yeah, like Chella or uh, or Hargosh were. This is back in the late 90s and early 2000s. We plugged him in with Grand Theft Auto. He just came into my office once and said I was playing that thing. And I'm like, yeah, so that's what you're supposed to do. And he's like, some cops just came into the alley I was in. I hit them with a flamethrower, and I saw them sitting there sort of shrinking and screaming. And I can't do this anymore. And he left. <laughs> yeah, that was the end of a fight. That's awesome. <laughs> That's the best story I've ever heard. That was the end of a five-year tenure with a with an with a extreme columnist. You know, really, Todd kind of took over as the extreme columnist after this guy, who I guess wasn't all that extreme in the end. <laughs> and, and Ken Ken was the sort like like Todd who would say, "This guy did something. I hate him. Here's his phone number. Call him." Yeah, yeah, that was. <laughs> I didn't make the guy cry. Grand Theft Auto made the guy cry. Yeah, yeah. I, oh wow. I, I didn't even I didn't even assign him to to play it and cover it. He was like, I should do this. This is kind of a thing. Well, yeah, especially since he was a gangsta, quote unquote. Yeah, so. he he was all big on being a Matrix gangsta. Yeah, but the funny. Yeah, and it just broke his soul. Well, the funny thing is, uh, the hitting people with flamethrowers in that game has the opposite effect on me. I'm invigorated by it. I don't know <laughs> what that says. Yeah, I think most of us are just bad people. <laughs> um, that's why we're on different sides of the office. Yeah, I know, Marie. So you get to talk now. Sorry. Sorry about that. All right, here's how I feel about this. A, people like sameness. They do. They like sameness. By and large. When somebody turns on the TV and they're watching an episode of Law and Order, the reason that Law and Order runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week on virtually every channel, is because <laughs> people like it because they know what they're getting. Just like there's comfort gaming, there's comfort viewing, there's comfort listening. That's why pop music all sounds pretty much the same. Marie, is that why we have CSI in 15 different cities from New Reno that's to Boston? That's why we have it in 15 different cities. <laughs> and and that's all good, and I got nothing against that. But you have to recognize, as a consumer, that you're going to be awash in a sea of sameness. And then, periodically, somebody is going to come up with something different that everybody also likes. And then that will become part of the sameness, because people will <laughs> begin to repeat it. Hmm. But that's just that's just human nature. We like categories. We like sameness. We like the comfort of that. That's why mysteries are popular. Romances are popular. These these are because people like the comfort of knowing what they're getting from a certain class of game or class of movie or class of TV show. But that's why you have these great little independent companies that are attempting to produce new and different stuff because somewhere – in that new and different stuff will be the new thing that we enjoy and find comforting and want more similar items like. And that's that's great. And I think that the innovation that happens 
happens because those little companies don't have the bazillions of dollars that they need to spend on the sameness, so they get the bazillions of dollars back. They don't have as much money, but they have more freedom. Yeah, true. And that's why you get the good stuff from the small players. Yeah, and I think I think Billy's point about some of the stuff trying to follow the leader with Minecraft is is a good point. Um, but I think that some developers may decide, okay, we're going to follow the leader and try to make money. And some developers may decide, well, I think they all want to make money. But I think some of them decide that the way to make money is to do something different and to have it catch on. I mean, you know, Angry Birds is a perfect example. There wasn't a whole lot of games like Angry Birds before. And now, what, what, you know, it's like the biggest game ever, pretty much. And everybody wants to be like Angry Birds. But I think that the that the ones that are successful, the the small companies that don't, you know, appear and disappear overnight, mm-hmm. those are the ones that balance between creating games that people are comfortable with, that they know what they're getting, you know, the the sort of clone games, and those that also have sort of a R and D department that's trying to come up with something new and better and different. Right. Makes and you know, you you gotta balance that. And you know, I'm sure some of the big players sometimes imagine doing something like that <laughs> yeah, po- possibly so um never at ea <laughs> <laughs> no prob- bitterness bitterness yeah, prob- probably not but old ea did old ea did they came out with games like uh, well they published games like starcraft which was one of the first open universe type games where you could land on any planet and do anything you wanted i mean they haven't done anything too like much like that lately but um when you're at the beginning of the industry Everything you do is innovative. <laughs> yes, yeah. First guy with a gun standing in a game. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, but you know, the thing is, don't you think some of that is management too? I mean, you, you periodically have companies that go through, like Nate was saying, a sort of maturing process and, and they sort of settle in. And then the good companies, I think, are the ones that eventually they'll get some new management, get somebody in there that wants to shake things up, get somebody who wants you know, to be producing the next greatest thing, not just always the last greatest thing. And and that's when you get some of the bigger players doing the innovative stuff. And usually they do it by swallowing one of the smaller players. Right. Well, I mean, I mean EA, EA early, in, okay. early in this decade bought uh, Origin, which gave them, uh, what do you call it, Ultima, and they bought Maxis, which gave them SimCity and all that sort of stuff. That's Sure. I mean, I think that's how big players... Innovate is they eat smaller innovative companies. Just bought PopCap. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Todd did that column about that. I thought that was pretty brilliant. It was like you know PopCap is always coming out with like innovative stuff. It's like I wonder what will happen now that EA is at the helm. I wonder if it'll be you know Plants vs Zombies eight or you know Bejeweled nine or whatever. You know who knows? Although they were kind of going that route with Bejeweled anyway, really kind of. <laughs> well, I mean for. Well, and- as another movie example, and I know I keep coming back to this, but look what happened to Pixar once Disney bought them. Suddenly we're at Toy Story 3, Monsters, Inc. 2 is on its way, Cars 2 just came out. Mm-hmm. Disney doesn't mind if you innovate with Ratatouille and Up, which were both great movies, but by God, you better deliver the sequels that are going to bring in $5 billion worth of moved toys. Mm. Of course you do, but that's because the top of your list always pays for the bottom of your list. And that's true whether it's publishing or whether it's the movie industry or whether it's the game industry. Mm-hmm. And the top of the list goes to that sameness. People like that comfort product. Give me Toy Story 3. I'll know the characters. I'll know roughly how it's going to go. I'm comfortable with that. And then 
all that sameness pays for the innovative, you know, up and, and ratatouille and the other things. Although I'll say all those things have made money. Sure. They just don't make as much. Um, now, let if me. If they didn't make let, money, they wouldn't keep doing them. Yeah. Let me let me throw out not so much a dissenting opinion, but that Marie, I'm not disagreeing with you, but your uh, your premise is not universal. And part of the reason I'm down on these things, and, and frankly, I think I'm famous in these podcasts because John says, and here to pee on the industry <laughs> is our publisher. Um, you know, I've never seen an episode of Law and Order. <laughs> I've never seen an episode of CSI. And I, I, 20 odd years ago, we gave up our television because I'm like, that's pretty much showed me what it can. There's no point in it anymore for me. So I don't. You know, even when I listen to music at this point, I'm looking for somebody who's doing something new. And I've thought Journey sucks since about 1982 when, you know, I figured out, well, this is their formula. And Nate, I'm sure are you I, a hipster? Not really, no. He's kind of sounding like a hipster. I think I, Nate's a closet hipster. Was, was Journey yeah, ever I was, cool? I was, I was a hipster before it was cool. <laughs> I think Journey was, like, cool <laughs> for, like, ten stage. minutes in 1980. Like I will say, what's one of their songs? I, I think I played the Journey video game. Believe it or not, it, yeah, I remember in the arcade. One. Yeah, you were like a security guard, and you had to keep people from rushing the stage. Yeah, exactly by shooting them. Hopefully. Wow! No, you just um, just that's them. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Journey was popular enough. Why haven't they remade that? <laughs> Journey was popular enough that in one of the arcades I hung out in in the early '80s. Somebody had hacked the the game, so like you could be playing Defender, but it was Journey's Escape album playing instead of the sound effect. <laughs> and you did not bring this up during the arcade podcast we did. That would have been a sorry, sorry. I, I had a lot of stories in the arcade. Well, that's true, and 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 you being so old, I know it's hard for you to remember stuff. So I, I am like five years older than you, young. Five five real years, but in. Yes. I don't know. In business years, I can call you all old. Uh, yeah, Billy, you're what? What are you? Ten? <laughs> I think now. Oh, you're thanks, thanks. Like, call me old. <laughs> so, um, anyway, yeah, well, all all I'm really saying is, you know, I'm not close to the idea that the industry can innovate. But John, you and I know when we go to E3, the place I'm interested in going is the space with all the little 10 by 10 booths with a bunch of really hungry guys where the CEO is out there saying, I've developed this. Can I please get some attention? The space that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, but you, you know what I, I mean. Know. When we, you know, we go to the big rooms and we see those things where they build monstrous castles to show us that they're making the exact same thing they made two years yeah, ago. Yeah, they build a, a plasma screen made up of other plasma screens that's as big as my house. Yeah, just to show me... Something like Halo 3. <laughs> yeah, you know, basically they could hand me a, a trifold brochure that says we're making the same thing we made last year, but this time it's going to cost $5 more. And, you know, I can write the story from that. Because right. they're not telling me anything new, and they're going to be flashy, and they're going to offer me, you know, beer or whatever, and please cover us. And they'll be slick, and they'll be ready, and I'll be bored. Well, um, I want to sort of shift gears slightly. I just want to say, so, so, can you all give me a concrete example of something that you've seen lately that you think would be considered innovative? Because I do want to say that you know not everybody's playing follow the leader. Um, uh, and I'll start because I'll I'll start because I I've been playing The Witcher too, and and granted, CD Projekt is not exactly 
a mainstream publisher, I guess. I mean, they're, they, they work on a couple projects and, and they're Czechoslovakian, you know, and so they're, they're not really what you'd consider like a rock star type thing. But they made a great world. I mean, I was sitting, it was sitting around and I was sitting around the table with some dwarves the other day and I was like, hey, do you guys want to go into the mine with me? You know, to, I think we call them little people. Now. Yeah, I don't know, but they were they dwarves. <laughs> and the one guy's like, "Well, no, I can't go with you because um, I'm waiting for some girl to come by to f." Except for he didn't say f, you know. And 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 then they all talk about dwarves um, making love to human women, except for they didn't use the term "making love." And then the one dwarf decides, "Oh, f it, I'll just go with you. It's better to fight than to f anyway." And and it's just, yeah, I'm like, this is a fantasy game. Wait, wait, what? Uh, he basically said you're only going. I just train wrecked on that. No, he he basically said you're only going to go into the mine once. I don't want to miss it. I can f any time. There's plenty of whores in this town. <laughs> so I just thought, wow, that's 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 a fantasy world that I had never journeyed in before. Uh, all right, all right. Let me back up. You can only go into the mine once. <laughs> you're, you're so bad. You're trying to make me censor the damn thing without actually doing it. Okay. I'm just, I'm just saying, man. It's like a Cary Grant film stopping with the train going into the tunnel. Right. Okay. Well, I have a new, I have a new thing. Most of you, I think it's innovative that you can only go into the mine once. <laughs> Most fantasy games, it's like fifty trips to the mine. Oh uh, yeah, Bill, yeah, Billy's looked at a few grind those, it, I remember. Grinded, grinded, grinded. Grind all I was saying was I have this mute button for all of you, but Nate's also now opens up into a dunking tank. So don't make me use it. <laughs> uh, all right, Marie, what what about you? Have you seen anything innovative lately that you'd like to bring to the fore? I know, I know. There's one. I'll bring it to the floor. I'll throw one at. You. I don't want to bring it to the floor, but I will anyway. Um, in spite of the fact that L.A. Noire is basically just Grand Theft Auto with playing the cops instead of playing the robbers, um, they did some huge technical inv- innovations with that game, with the um, the facial recognition software, and you can actually tell whether people are lying. And I mean, the the technical leaps that they did for L.A. Noire were amazing. Um, whether they will use them for innovative new storylines in the future. We'll see. Um, I would love for them to do that. I would love for them to grow up and have actual playable female characters, too. But I live in a mop. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up Letters from Nowhere. I really did. You know, I, I thought about bringing up Letters from Nowhere in the sense that um, I think that it is innovative with, with actually trying to incorporate storyline into a hidden object game. Um, but, of course... I think there are now other companies trying to do that. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, that's Billy's point, right? That that somebody's going to copy it now. Well, yeah, oh. I've already played. I've already played some hidden object games that were copying that kind of formula. But, but yeah, I think uh, at least in in my experience, Letters from Nowhere was the first hidden object game that I thought really did that well. Right. Okay, all right, fair enough. Bill, Billy, what do you think? Have you run into anything innovative lately? You probably play more games than any of us, really. Uh, I probably do. Well, <laughs> mostly, yeah, yeah, probably. Um, innovative isn't the game itself is just a fully innovative title. Um, not so much, but concepts. There have been a few concepts in games that I've been like, that's interesting. Like, um, you sent me the third birthday, the Parasite Eve game. Oh yeah. And I thought it was a neat concept to see. Instead of 
we're going to like, you know, if you play Call of Duty, you know, you are the most important soldier in the world and you can survive just about anything because it's Call of Duty. Instead, you play as this character who jumps bodies from soldier to soldier and you're basically told, listen, they're expendable. If you need to throw one in the way and jump to another body, go for it. <laughs> and I thought that, I thought that was an interesting idea. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So, yeah, small, small steps. So, okay, final question for you three. So then, uh, you know, it's it's the midsummer now. It's really hot, so I know it's hard to think about the holiday season coming up. But um, are we going to see anything innovative uh, for for the holidays, or is it going to be more of the same? And I'll start with you, Marie. Uh, I think probably the vast majority of it will be more of the same. And if we're lucky, we might get a few titles that are. Innovative. Okay. Skyrim. <laughs> I think in, I, now, now well, you, Skyrim. You say Skyrim, but the, the critics, the criticisms of it that I have seen have been that it's oblivion with a couple little modifications. And you know what? I am so all about that. I don't care if Nate doesn't like CSI and call, and uh, Law and Order. Bring it, bring it, bring it. <laughs> okay, Nate, what do you think? I think the safe money is the big titles that will come out for the Christmas season that will do well will be derivative work. Mm. You know, just like I'm saying, because those are the ones that people have have to have do well. You know, if a publisher invests, as I said, $100 million in a title, it better damn well perform. But there will be something we don't notice that nobody notices that might do well or catch some attention that will take off. And everybody good, oh, my God, this is the most awesome thing from Awesomeville. <laughs> and we're like, Billy, go review this. That's and, uh, and that's how it will happen because those things come in under the radar. That would be a great, yeah, yeah, the good stuff. That would be a great title for a game, the most awesome thing from Awesomeville. So, Billy, uh, is there anything that you are looking forward to this holiday season that you think might be innovative? Or do you think that uh, it's going to be another season of, um, of uh, you know, the same old, same old? Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, like like we, we said, Skyrim might might be sort of a copycat thing, but might also be awesome at the same time. Uh, even if it is a copycat, I'll play it. I mean, they've got my money already. Right. So, um, but uh, as for innovative holiday season, I don't know. If, if something comes out, it'll be hard to catch it, like Nate said, because, I mean, you're going to have, you know, Skyrim and the new Call of Duty and I maybe the Halo HD anniversary. Mm-hmm. 414 Industries is an innovative game, whatever that is. I sorry, hate on them. Um, <laughs> um, so may, maybe the holiday season isn't the time to come out with something innovative. Yeah, no. In in fact, uh, you know what? I, I, so it's recorded right now, and everyone will hear it. Fifty bucks says the Halo franchise dies with Halo Four. Really? Like really? It, it, it will go downhill because. It, it it is four one four industries, isn't it? It's the same it's the same team that made uh ODST, which was the game that everyone was just like, Nobody likes this, this is horrible, this sucks. And then Bungie went on to be like, Oh well let's make Halo Reach and everybody will love it. They took over since Bungie's no longer part of Microsoft and I, I think it's gonna kill Halo, just throwing that out there. You know, it's not it's not a bad prediction. Todd, who is probably one of the biggest Halo fans on the planet, hated ODST. Hated it. It was horrible. Yeah. 
it was it was a small expansion, and all the while they're doing that, Bungie's sitting across the hall like, yeah, you guys suck. <laughs> just, just so you know, we're going to tear it apart, and then you're going to be using our engine for the next three years. Yeah, interesting. All right, well, um, guys, uh, all your listeners out there, let us know what game you're looking forward to uh, this holiday season. We may have missed something that we think that you think might be innovative, and you know, if if you bring up a good point, we will be happy to use it on the show. Uh, the the address is ginlounge at gameindustry.com. Um, until next time, uh, I want to thank my panel, and uh, we will see you all right here on the lounge. And rest assured that everything that we do in the Gin Lounge is completely innovative, almost. Except for except for when we repeat shows, which only happens um, pretty often. Okay, see you all next week.